So yeah, my name is uh, Shane Hawkins. I am, in fact, the pastor of Adult Discipleship, which is a really long title. And uh, I think I might opt to change it to like the Adult Discipleship Director, then I could be the ADD pastor. And I think that would tell you a lot more about me and what I do. Uh, also, I'm curious if those percentages you all were holding up are reflective not of what you think other people are like or what this, this actual room is like, like 80% of you about aliens. I won't get into it. But we're going to talk about community tonight uh, because obviously that's why we're here. We're here to talk about life and community, what it means, why we need it. But specifically tonight, I want to talk about what makes a community Christian as opposed to a different kind of community. Because I think all of you are already in some sort of thing you could call a community. Uh, yesterday was Super Bowl. Maybe you had some people come over to your house. You all watched the game together or you went somewhere. Like, that's a community. Well, I already have community, right? We have Super Bowl watching buddies. Or maybe you went golfing this past week, had some friends get together with occasionally. Like, that is a sort of community or a, a book club that meets once a month, or maybe you're in a, like a mom's group, you get together and do play dates and things like, those all are community, but they're not necessarily Christian community. So what's the thing that makes a community go from being just people getting together to being a Christian community? Now, it might be easy answer, like, oh, well, you have to, if you're all Christians, like you get Christians together, then it's Christian community. But like, is that the only thing, like if it's just five of you sitting in a room watching the Super Bowl and all five of you happen to be Christians, it's like, boom, community gathering of Christians, this is Christian community. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think there's some different things that make Christian community specific, uh, specifically different than any other community. And I, I think one of those things, we're going to talk about what these conversations are, but if you're, if you're a note taker and you're looking for the big point today, uh, the big point today is that Christian community blesses us with hard, humbling conversations. A Christian community blesses us with hard, humbling conversations, ones that are set apart different than what you have in normal communities. We're going to open our Bibles tonight to 1 John chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, uh, feel free to turn to 1 John chapter 1. You can use your phone too. I'll, I'll allow it. I used to work with teenagers and I outlawed phones because they were not reading the Bible, I assure you. But uh, I think I can trust you guys. You can do. 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. Now, 1 John is a, a book written by a guy named John. It's actually a letter he wrote to other Christians. And that's important to know about the book of 1 John, that it's a letter written to Christians, people who already know Jesus, people who already have trusted in him and put their faith in him, and then these are the things he wants them to know, and he wants to command them. So when we read 1 John, we can't read it thinking to ourselves, oh, that's not for me, that's like un unsaved people, people who don't know Jesus, like they're the ones who need this message, not necessarily me, because I already, I did that once. Or, no, no, all the things in, in 1 John are for us, people who believe in Jesus Christ already and are striving to live for him. So I'm going to read 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 10. So follow along with me while I read. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But... 
If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Would you, would you pray with me again as we start hearing from God's word? Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the one who initiated true and genuine fellowship with us that we can have with him because of his death and resurrection and his forgiveness of us. And now we can also have that same uh, community with others because of what you've done for us. We love you, Father. Bless our time together tonight. It's because of Jesus we're able to pray. Amen. So as you read that passage, uh, the, the first couple times you read it, you think to yourself, all right, so this is how I should relate vertically to God. And it's telling me about, hey, if you want to have fellowship with God, you can't be in the dark, you should be in the light. That's how you get fellowship. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's really about uh, one person's relationship with, with God. However, there's a sneaky phrase in there that you might miss if you're not careful that tells you it's about a little bit more. If, if you look in verse 7, well, let's back up to verse 6. So verse 6, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him, talking about God, and we walk in darkness, we're lying. So, hey, I have fellowship with God, but I'm walking in darkness. John says, not possible. That's a lie. Next verse, verse 7, he says, but if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, then we have fellowship, and you would expect him to say, with God, because that's what he was talking about a second ago. But he doesn't. He says, if we walk in the light, just as God, he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It's not a passage merely about how one person can have an isolated relationship with them and God, but this is telling us how the relationship we have with God is reflected in the relationships we have with others. There are similarities between the way that we're able and the reason we're able to relate with God with how we're also able to relate with others. Now, we're going to walk through what those similarities are because I think those are the things that make community specifically Christian. And, and there's three things that are addressed here and all throughout the scriptures. And those three things are confession, repentance, and forgiveness. Confession, repentance, and forgiveness. We'll talk about, about each, but those are the three things that if they're present in community, that's what can make it distinctly Christian, right? You can be in a community where people are nice to each other, where they have fun together, where they laugh together, where they tell stories together, where they're near each other for weddings and they're with each other for funerals. All those kinds of communities, very important, very meaningful, but that doesn't make them a Christian community. Christian communities have hard, humbling conversations built around confession, repentance, and, and forgiveness. So let's, let's talk the first conversation. Number one, the blessing of confession. I call it a blessing on purpose. Sometimes you don't think confession's a blessing, but the blessing of, of confession. So in, in John chapter one, those verses we just read, five through 10, there's a lot of uh, darkness and light imagery 
You guys picked up on that while you're reading, uh, being in the darkness, but being in the light, those kind of things. And he's telling us, hey, if you want to hide in the dark, meaning keeping your sin to yourself, keeping it hidden, not letting people know who you are, you can't have real genuine fellowship. You can't have fellowship with God, right? The, the way that you became a Christian, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, is at one point you came out of the darkness and said, God, I'm going to stop pretending I'm actually a sinner and I can't do this. Uh, I, can, I can hide here and pretend I've got my life together. Uh, but Christians are people who come out of the darkness into the light and say, I'm confessing I can't do this. I need you, Jesus. I need your death on the cross to save me. Right? That's how you became a Christian. And consequently, coming out of the darkness into the light is what makes community likewise Christian based on, on confession. Because sin thrives in darkness. I don't know if you've recognized that, uh, but the more you keep your sin under wraps, the more you keep your pain and suffering hidden and tucked away in a cave, isolated, thinking to yourself, I've got this, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out, I can handle it on my own. The more you do that, the more sin starts to win. And the more you separate yourself from other believers and you're not getting fellowship and things get worse, uh, being in the darkness is a great place for sin. Uh, a long time ago, not long ago, I guess it was nine years ago, my wife and I, our first apartment, we were in Louisville, Kentucky, that's where we got married, and our very first apartment was in a tiny little apartment building and we were on the very bottom level. Uh, our, our apartment was partially underground, right? So it's like one of those half underground, half above ground type of apartment things. And a few months after we moved in, we started to get mold, right? Mold along the walls in our kitchen. Uh, it was actually like sometimes we'd find it on our kitchen tables and chairs and stuff. And so, well, we get disinfectant, we spray with all the alcohol and stuff and are scrubbing it and it just comes back, right? It kept coming back. We had to uh, tell our landlord, like, the mold keeps coming back. We're doing everything we can to get rid of it. What? And they, it was a whole thing. They had to put us in another apartment and dig it up and reseal the walls because uh, the moisture from outside, moisture is a thing they have in other states. It's weird. Uh, so the moisture from outside was getting in through the walls because they weren't sealed well. Anyway, so we have all of our stuff that had mold on. I'm trying to get mold off our furniture and things. And so I called, uh, I, I called a company that specializes in removing mold. And I was asking the guy on the phone, hey, you know, what's the best way to get rid of mold? And he tells me about all their different services and then kind of the things that they do for removing mold. And then he says, you know, the absolute best way to kill mold is to get your furniture outside in sunlight to soak for some time and let the sunlight, like the, the furniture soak up sunlight because sunlight kills mold. And then after 10 or 15 minutes, he said, are you actually going to buy any of our services? I said, no, thank you, bye. And I hung up because uh, I got what I needed. And so I actually took our furniture outside. We left it in the parking lot for a, a good time so the sun could soak in it and kill all the mold. Because things that thrive in the darkness die in the light. And it's true in community. There are so many people in, in the world, in our church, in this room that are isolated and sin is killing them and choking them and, and the pain and, and grief and suffering that they're all doing alone. It's, it's thriving in darkness. And John calls us, that's, that's not what being Christian is. Christians pull things out of the darkness and expose them to light. It's a hard, humbling conversation to tell somebody about your own sin. 
to tell somebody your own weaknesses and your struggles. But that's what makes a community become distinctly Christian. The first thing is confession. The second hard, humbling conversation is the conversation of repentance, the blessing of repentance, right? Once something is, is exposed to the light, it can't stay that way, right? It has to change. We're, we're very fond of the phrase, like, come just as you are to Jesus. Jesus accepts you exactly like you are. Anybody at all, you don't have to clean yourself up first, come to Jesus. Praise the Lord, all of those things are absolutely true. Yes, it doesn't matter how messed up you are, what terrible things you've done, you can come to Jesus and he will accept you and love you and give you salvation. But he never leaves you there. He's going to change you. When he sees something in your life that's broken and hurting, he says, I want to fix it. And when Jesus sees your sin, he says, yes, thank you for confessing. This is sin. Now let's change it. And, and he calls us to repent and and change our sin and not stay there. It, it seems unloving sometimes for us to try and to do that with other people. We're like, ooh, that person's really struggling with this sin. I, everyone can see it, you know, whether it's arrogance or, or pride or some sort of just short-tempered lack of patience. We can all see it, but like, ooh, it's, weird to, it's weird to tell them. Like, I don't want to do that. It might, they might think I'm weird, right? They might be up, upset at me. I don't want to hurt anyone by... But isn't the most loving thing you can do when someone is hurting themselves and hurting others to help them stop it? Right? The author of this, this Life and Community book, a lot of you grabbed him last week. We actually ran out. We have to order some more. So we're ordering some more. Hopefully next time you're here, we'll have some more books for you. We'd love for you to take them. But the author of this book, he tells a, a great story uh, about a time when he and his wife were outside and their two-year-old daughter was playing in the driveway. And she found something shiny and she picked it up and put it in her mouth, which is what two-year-olds do. And immediately they say, no, 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 don't, you're not putting things in the driveway in your mouth. And they ran to her and they found it's a piece of glass. She would put a tiny piece of glass in their mouth. So they aggressively go in to grab this piece of glass and, and tear it out. Did they hurt their daughter a little by pulling glass out of their mouth? Probably. She had a few small cuts in her, her tongue and cheeks and things like that. But if she had swallowed it, how much worse would the damage have been? And, and we can see people wandering towards sin, wandering away from, from God, wandering away from community, be like, ah, yeah, I haven't been to church in a long time, but ah, we're just busy. And yeah, we don't really want to spend a lot. We'll start, we'll start stepping away from all of our commitments and things. And whatever things you start to notice, or you can see that there's some seed of resentment growing in their marriage. It, when we start to notice sin in people's lives, it's not more loving to step back and say, I'm sure they'll handle it. I'm sure they, they can figure it out. I didn't, I didn't plan on, on going here, but I'm going to turn to Proverbs chapter 28. Um, I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there unless you're really fast. But uh, Proverbs has two verses pertinent to our discussions tonight. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper right? This is a, a verse encouraging us to confess. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. It's good to confess your sins. Pro Proverbs is confirming that. Jump down to verse 23 of the same chapter, and it talks about being on the other side of that conversation. It says, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. 
Right? It's actually, you, you create better, stronger friendships when you say, hey, I've seen something in your life and I care enough about you to expose it and tell you and call you to repentance. That's, that's a stronger relationship than someone that's like, I don't know, they'll, find, they'll figure out a way to deal with it, I guess. And, and I think that's another thing that makes communities distinctly Christian is we care enough about each other not to let those things grow and get worse. Is it a hard conversation? Absolutely. Is it a humbling conversation? Yes, because I know I've got lots of things wrong in my life and it almost feels wrong. Like I can't point out things in their life. I've got things wrong. But if you're saying, hey, I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We both need Jesus. Here's the way you need Jesus. That's a loving way to handle it. It's a hard, like I said, hard, humbling, uncomfortable conversation. But it's what the Bible calls us to do. It, it, the Bible calls us to it. It doesn't merely say, hey, this would be kind of nice. Or there's actually scripture that says you need to interact with people in this way. It's a command. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3. You can turn to that one if you want to. I, I want you to see that one on your own. Don't just take my word for it. Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, the author is addressing how to keep people in their community. In verse 12 and 13... This is what he says. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He, hey, I know that we have a tendency to wander and our hearts will take us away from God if they're not checked. So be careful that your heart's not leading you away. And as a matter of fact, verse 13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He commands you to watch out for your brothers and sisters in Christ and draw them back and encourage them. That's, that's the, the command from Scripture, that we can't be obedient to God if we're not obeying. Christian, Christian community is built around confession. It's built around repentance. And the third hard, humbling conversation is the blessing of forgiveness, right? Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 again. Uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The goal of both confession and repentance isn't just to say, hey, there's sin. You all got sin. You sin, I sin, we sin. But to lead towards forgiveness and, and reconciliation and, and restoration, because there are people in your group that they, they already know they're sinning, right? Maybe that's not the right way to interact with them. They already know that they're in a struggle. Maybe they've been being crushed for such a long time under the weight of their own guilt that having one more person come up to them and be like, by the way, this thing in your life is wrong, isn't what they need, right? The only reason you point out sin, the only reason you call people to repentance is to lead them towards forgiveness and restoration. Like that's... That's the goal. That's why God pointed out your sin when you became a Christian. He said, confess your sin. I, I want you to admit it. I want you to know where you're at, not so I can condemn you and judge you, but so that I can do the opposite and restore you and bring you into reconciliation with me. And, and that's the way we can call out sin in people's lives and community, is to lead them towards restoration. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he forgives. Like, that's the goal. My, my first church I ever served in was in North Carolina, in Winston-Salem. I was the youth pastor. 
uh, and it was my first ministry job. I'd only been there for a couple of months, and uh, I was the youth pastor. There was a guy named Chris who'd been working in the youth group for, as a volunteer, uh, like 10, 15 years. He was a dad of some of the teenagers, but he'd been there for a long time. He kind of thought it was his youth group, uh, and then I had to do the things that he liked and stuff. Anyway, so I'd been there for a few months, and Chris and I were just buttonheads, like the whole time I was there. Uh, and at one point, he exchanged some like mean texts with me that I could tell, like, Chris is pretty upset. We should probably talk. So I said, let's get together. Let's talk in person. And uh, I remember specifically, it was after church. We had an evening service at that church. After the evening service, he and I were standing out on the porch right in front of the church, and Chris just let me have it. He told me all the things I was doing wrong. You messed up on this. You forgot this. You're not doing a good job here. He wasn't wrong for most of it. I was new. I was learning. But he was just like, you did. You dropped the ball. And at one point he said, you know, when we hired you, I thought we were going to get a great youth pastor with lots of experience and ideas who was ready to come in. But instead, we got you. And I was like, thank you. That was really generous, Chris. I I appreciate it. Uh, There was also a moment where he paused because he was trying to think. And he said, give me a minute. I know there's more things I don't like. I'm trying to think. I was like, well, take all the time you need. Please remember all the things you don't like about me. Now, I'm a grown man, but I almost came to tears in the conversation because I was just being berated. And I feel like I have some pretty thick skin. But it's hard to listen to someone who just condemns, just tells you what you're doing wrong. There was no goal of reconciliation. He wasn't trying to say, hey, man, we're going to do better. Here's ways we can help. He just wanted to get all this off his chest and make himself feel better. That's not what Christian community looks like. I hope you recognize that. We're not in groups to condemn like, you're bad. I'm good, but you're bad. That's That's not what I mean when I say call people to repentance. Now, contrast Chris with a little old lady in that church that my wife and I, Sylvie, we loved her so much. Her name's Hilda. Right, Hilda's about this tall. Uh, Hilda lived within a walking distance of the church, and she spent most of her days gardening. Uh, Hilda takes naps from 2 to 4 o'clock every day, so don't call her, she told us. Um, But she was so delightful. We loved Hilda. She had us over for dinner regularly. And and when we come over, she would say, hey, look, this is my stack of of devotionals and booklets I go through with my Bible every morning. And here's my prayer list that I pray through every morning. Oh, look, there's your name. I pray for you every day. And this is my evening stack before I go to bed. I pray for all these missionaries. And oh, there's you. I pray for you again in the evening. And she would just tell us all about how much she cared about us and how much potential there was and all the good things we were doing. And Yeah, she admitted there were some things that I wasn't doing a great job at. But she's like, it's okay, you'll learn, you'll get better, you'll do this. And she was so supportive, right? She wanted to see me thrive. She wanted to see me grow. And I was making choices that she wouldn't have made herself. She thought the church should go a different direction. That's fine. But she cared about me. That's a very different scene than the the standing on the porch with Chris. And, And Christian community, we should be saying, hey, I... I care about these people. The only reason I'm going to call out someone's sin is because I love them and I want to see them restored. And I'm not just going to drop some bombs on them and say, hey, fix that and walk away. But I'm going to walk with you. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. And when you take one step of progress, yeah, you still have 50 steps to go. But I want to be the cheerleader behind you saying, hey, you're doing better. God's growing you. Like I can see God working in you. In community, we should be the people reminding each other of God's promises, 
Right? Do you know God promises he's going to save you from this sin? Do you know Jesus conquered this at the, at the grave? When he, when he rose from the grave? Like he, he's defeated this sin in your life already. We're prone to forget that. We're prone to wander away. We need community that pushes us towards restoration, that pushes, that pushes us towards forgiveness. Right? It, it can be even a hard, humbling conversation to tell somebody good things and encourage them. Because it means you have to take the attention off of yourself, which a lot of times we'd rather, you know, I mean, I, I did a pretty good job this week. People should tell me I did it. But no, it's not about me. Like, I care about you. I want to tell you what you're doing right. Men, especially, we're not great at, at telling other men we care about them or that they're doing well. We'd rather just tease and joke and be like, ah, oh, look at this guy. Who will let anyone in here and make those jokes all the time? But hey, man, I, I appreciate what God's doing in your life. It's a hard conversation. It might even humble you to have to say those things. But that's what makes community Christian as opposed to just being a bunch of people watching the football game together. There's confession, there's repentance, and there's forgiveness and, and restoration. That's, that's the community. That's how we enter community with God. Confession, repentance, and his forgiveness. And that's the same way we build community with one another. Let me close this, this discussion in prayer. Father, thank you that you loved us enough to not leave us in our sin. Um, it, it wouldn't have been more loving to just let us go and do whatever we wanted, but you loved us so much. You confronted us. You drew us to yourself. You died to make a way for forgiveness and, and restoration. That's, that's a hard, humbling thing to do, Lord. I pray that you would teach us to have a mind like Christ in our communities, to, to confess our own sins, to uh, be willing to repent and call others to repent, all while moving towards restoration and forgiveness, Lord. Uh, teach us to be like Christ in that way. We love you. It's because of him we're able to pray. Amen. I'm going to invite uh, Peggy Machen to the stage. Uh, she's going to share a little bit with us about how she herself has experienced some fantastic community uh, with the Cowan Community Group. So come on up, Peggy. You good? All right. So uh, it's already on. You're good. Yeah, Hello. you're live. Yeah, you're live. So uh, tell us about which community group you're in and what kind of brought you into that community group. Okay. Can you hear me? I'm, I'm, lo I'm loud anyway. Um, a year and a half ago, I lost my husband suddenly, and my big world with my husband shrunk, and it also stopped, and everybody else just kept going, and I wanted to say, hey, hey, don't you know I'm by myself? Help me here. Instead, I, I did think that, but I began to cry out to the Lord because I didn't want to be alone. It sucks. It really does, especially when... We were married 50 years, and two weeks after we celebrated our anniversary, he died. It's like, come on, we, we were going to do a lot of things together for a lot longer. So I had to do something about it, and I just prayed a lot, cried a lot, felt sorry for myself. I did, and um, I started going to things alone, which is not fun. I have a dog, which helped because... I had to get out of bed and feed her and walk her, so that was saving me. And then one day at church, Julian Keith Cowan came up to me 
and said, we'd like to invite you to our community group. I went, oh, jeez, here it goes. And um, I said, okay, I, I didn't want to be really rude, although I did want to be. I said, okay, when is it? Thursday nights, where is it? Moon Valley. Well, they might as well say, said Payson. It's Moon Valley is way out of my comfort zone. And I don't, so I said, well, I don't drive at night. And danged if he didn't say, we'll pick you up. <laughs> so that was my excuse. Uh, so I said, give me some time. I'm not ready yet. Um, so it was last, a year ago, January, and I finally said, okay, Lord, I'm, just help me here. I'm going to step out in faith, get out of my comfort zone, because my comfort zone was my bedroom. I was living in it. They came and picked me up, and I have to tell you, that group was so awesome. There's several of you that are here tonight that were in that group because we got so big we had to split. And they welcomed me so with open arms. And they, I could tell just by their actions they cared for me and wanted to know how I was doing. It, it was the most neatest thing I ever did for myself was join that group. And if I could just encourage one person who's thinking about it, try it out. Get out of that comfort zone. Step out in faith. God's grace is sufficient, so just do it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. I'm going to walk you down. All right. So we're going to go into uh, discussion questions. Again, just like last week, there's discussion questions on your table. We'll encourage you to, to go through those. And this is a reminder, uh, this isn't a to-do list, right? That you like, hurry up, you gotta get through every single question. Uh, no, these, these are conversation starters to get you talking about things uh, related to what we just shared tonight. So if you just get to question one and you're having a great conversation, that's fine. Or if question one isn't great, skip it. Find one that works for you guys. But we're gonna give you about 30 minutes or so. Uh, take that time, get to know each other, and share in discussion.